Hey, guys, it's Abdul for the good folks over at Leon Tailoring, 809 North Delaware, downtown Indianapolis. Might I recommend, now that your young person has walked across that stage, you get them over to Leon Tailoring, get them to their career services division. That's right. In this economy, even though jobs are plentiful, it won't help you if you don't look the part. So at Leon Tailoring Career Services Division, they got the perfect thing that your young man or young lady needs to get them off into the world of work and at very reasonable and affordable prices. And heck, who knows? You might even see something for yourself if you're looking for a new job. So swing on by Leon Tailoring, their career services division, Larry Norm, Kim, and Judy, always glad to help you out. Leon Tailoring, 809 North Delaware in downtown Indianapolis. Well, Indian lawmakers recently had a summer study committee on legalizing marijuana, either for recreational, medicinal, or for both. And so it was an interesting hearing. And so join us in the studio is a good friend, Andy Bowman, who is actually a lobbyist for the cannabis industry here in Indiana. So, Andy, my friend, always good to talk to you. Thanks for being with us. You as well. Thank you for having me. It's fun to talk about professional stuff. Usually we talk about other things. Yeah, like comic books and superhero people. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> um, so let's go to get started. Uh, what is the state of cannabis uh, in Indiana these days? Uh, right now it's a mess. Um, we don't have, you don't have legal, what they call here, craft CBD flour. So like hemp, CBD, you don't have the flour, but you can use uh, gummies, edibles, or vapes. And Delta 8 is still legal here for the same, um, although you could have Delta 8 flour if you chose. But but right now, that's it. There's no other options. So if, if I don't advise this, but a lot of people do go to other states where they have. So legal. in a nutshell, marijuana, for the most part, is still illegal in the state of Indiana. Yeah. 100%. Um, and it's interesting you, you mentioned other states because uh, Michigan's got it legalized, uh, Illinois's got it legalized. Once they, in Ohio, it's legal for medicinal purposes. And I'm not quite sure about Kentucky. The last I saw, they were still working towards that, although they're going to be an interesting case to watch because they're such a strong hemp state. And a lot, sometimes you see those two groups, even though it's the same plant with minor differences. They, those groups don't always get along because of cross-pollination, you know, issues like that. Yeah, and what about what's the situation with hemp in Indiana? Because hemp and pot are two different things. I, I have to remind people. Yeah, uh, essentially they're both um, sub-strains um, of the cannabis plant. The difference is hemp has very high CBD in it, and uh, cannabis has high THC, and, and traditionally they're um, antagonistic in that if you have a lot of one, you have very little of the other. Now, you've seen more recently with genetic modification or just cross strains where they've got it. So you have higher in both, but it's still, if you have a high THC plant, you're going to have a low CBD number in there. And so that's the significant difference is one has a more, I, I would hesitate to say narcotic effect, but more of a high. And, and one is primarily better used for hopefully medical use. Yeah, like medical, like pain or something. Yeah. Uh, now, one of the things that I could, I could not quite figure out here in Indiana is why is pot illegal? I mean, obviously, I understand, like, you know, the old reefer madness, really bad, but with the woman playing the piano really, really fast, but no one who ever smoked pot plays the piano that fast or does anything faster or quick. But I can never figure out why Indiana has it uh, illegal. Not not so much talk about the, the money part, because that's a whole different conversation. But why is pot still illegal in Indiana? That's what I don't get. That's the billion-dollar question. I, I, Literally. Yeah, no, for sure, yeah. I would say realistically it's it's partially the status quo just because that's how it's been, and then partially the the opponents to this have had decades to get their message solidified and, and really crystallized, and um, they are very dedicated, whilst a minority in my mind, to to keeping this as long as possible from being legal, whether it's it cuts into their profits or it cuts into their beliefs. But I think the other part's a, just a miseducation, and people still 
I know it's not three for madness, but tying back into that, but it's the st- the status quo too. Because I mean, I, I know you know this, but so much of it was based on crony capitalism and racism, whether it was them going after Hispanics or, or the African American population or the hippies, right? Or it was uh, what's his name with the paper. We read off hers. Yeah, you know, we're sorry. Whereas I haven't had enough Diet Cokes. But it was like, but yeah, where they did that. And so it's, it's this whole time, it's always been corruption and malicious intent for something that truly is, if you threw a seed in the ground, it would grow on its own and it'd do all right. Now you can do better things to get better results. But you know, like this is a plant that does it's that, that truly, the reason it's called weed is because it grows everywhere. Um, I, I actually follow a guy. He goes to India and Pakistan. They have a uh, strain out there, this mutation, where it grows in pools of water like rice, which if people know about this plant, is not generally a favored spot. So it's fascinating all the stuff it can do. I'm going off target. Sorry. No, no, no problem. Our guest in the today is our good friend Andy Bowman. Uh, Andy is a cannabis lobbyist over at the State House, and they had a summer study committee hearing uh, recently on cannabis. How did that summer study committee hearing go? Uh, really well. I want to give all the credit to Justin Swanson for working with Dr. Barrett's office. He was the um, House of Representatives member, uh, the chair of the committee, and, and uh, Senator Charbonneau was the vice chair. They they had a really great committee. That, what I liked about it is everybody, they had a lot of professionals come in, where it wasn't just enthusiasts, but it was doctors, researchers, economic professors, and they and they brought the data, which is one thing Indiana loves. I know people don't always think that, but, but we do love looking at the numbers and the data and, and seeing how it all crunches down. And, and for me, to get kind of back a second ago, it's not about the money. Like the money will come, particularly if we do smart taxing and we don't pull like in Illinois or California. But um, it's about the jobs. Like there's it's Illinois is like thirty three percent. Don't ask me how I know that. <laughs> it's absurd. Yes, it is. I can go off on a whole soapbox about that <laughs> Illinois, but it's um, but yeah, it's a mess. And so we have a real opportunity. For me, I think it's about the jobs because there could be and and one of the gentlemen that came and testified uh, said there could be over thirty thousand jobs coming here, and these are highly trained technical manufacturing jobs and Indiana has such a history of being a manufacturing state and then the other thing I love about it and we're gonna have a big announcement pretty soon um, is that we're we're getting a group coming up where we're gonna really focus on standards and regulations because a lot of these states it's all piecemeal which is a big problem which kind of goes back to your earlier question is each state does it differently which leads into problems and when it does finally go federally legal which it will in the next couple of years that's gonna lead a lot of interstate commerce issues um, in piecemeal in, um, enforcement. So to, what we're really going to start working on is getting standards that are unified because you have your regulations in Florida or Illinois or Michigan. I mean, shoot, for, for example, Illinois and Michigan next door to each other, very different in how they handle it, whether it was with the licenses, how they did that, or how they worked on the equity issue. Um, and they're, they share a border. So, so imagine then when you have like the various cultures where California is so different from, say, Texas or New York, um, and then how they all legislate it. So it's going to be fascinating how, well, anyways, we're working on that to get these, these unified regulations and standards going. And I think Indiana really has a chance to be the forefront of that and really lead. It's funny because one thing's always argued, uh, just for, for the last three, four years now, I always said what Indiana probably needs to do is cause the, the argument is it's illegal at the federal level. So we won't do it unless it becomes legal at the federal level, which is a whole nother specious argument for a whole nother, whole nother time. But at the same time, well, I would say, okay, 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 until it becomes legal at the federal level, then start working now to put a system, a regulatory scheme in place. How many dispensaries? How much can you, THC can you have in an in a, in a edible or chocolate or whatever? Start putting the, the, the tech, start putting the system in place now 
So when it does become legal, which we all know it's it's inevitable, like death and taxes, all you got to do is just flip the switch and then bam, you're good to go. And, and I, I thank you for that. That was a good segue. One of the big focuses on that committee was getting a commission or some sort of sub-agency that answers to the governor and probably the legislature to do this and set up these frameworks. I mean, so much of the issues right now people have with Delta A or CBD is that it's lightly regulated, really self-regulated by a lot of the good actors, but there's still bad ones out there. And so what the industry's been asking for for a couple of years now is just fair regulation so that we can have a safe environment, safe products for people to use. Um, and so that was that was actually part of the argument was I, was uh, a push for medical access and then a cannabis commission of some sort. And I, I really am optimistic we could get that in the 2023 session. Our guest in the program today is our good friend Andy Bowman. Andy is a cannabis lobbyist here in the state of Indiana. Uh, as any lawmakers had a summer study committee uh, hearing recently uh, on the issue of cannabis and regulation and deregulation and legalization for that matter. Uh, Andy, what were some of the arguments that that opponents of legalization for the for recreational or medicinal purpose use? Uh, it's the same. So it's pretty much the same three groups, and I'm friends with a lot of them. They just we just differ in, in opinion, which is America. Uh, you have the public uh, IPAC the prosecuting attorney's counsel. You have the state police, although they weren't very active at the committee, which was interesting. And then um, just the very, I would say it's an age group. It's no longer a political party, but it's people between like say 65 and maybe 80, where it's folks that don't necessarily have um, firsthand knowledge. Like like, we were, like you were saying earlier, it was like the marriage issue where they don't, they don't have firsthand knowledge of it or they haven't been on, prescriptions yet with negative side effects um like i i you and i've talked earlier my dad army colonel was super against it. it wasn't until his wife got ill that he wanted to look at other options and now a year and a half later he still asks about it you know he does not use it but he's just interested in the options and, and things for other people um it's i think if we get that commission that'll be a really good first step to get to, like you said get us in because it's going to happen within a couple of years good no good no, no. It's funny because, uh, as as I jokingly say, whenever somebody asks me, to how far is you know Indiana away from legalized marijuana?" It's like, well, technically, just seventy five miles. Just go to I seventy four, to go to exit two twenty in Danville, Illinois, make a right, go about half a mile, and make a right into the frontage road, and you'll see the sunny side dispensary because it's right next to a hotel and a gas station. Not that, not that I know this, but I I'm from Illinois, so I got to know these things. And what was interesting, and I always bring this up, is whenever I go through that neck of the woods, you stop in the parking lot, you see nothing but Indiana cars and like how do i know this because there's no front plate mm-hmm. it's similar in michigan from what i've heard yeah and, and what people do is they'll go they'll buy their product and they'll leave and go back home nobody to, to the best of my knowledge nobody who uses the product responsibly is using the product and then get behind the wheel of a car or an amtrak train and driving or flying a plane right call, right. call me crazy I, I i just couldn't quite quite figure that out because uh because one of the i know one of the arguments that my friends at ipac have and to a certain degree uh, law enforcement they don't want anybody under the influence while driving. Like, well, here's a newsflash, guys. If somebody's under the influence, they're doing it right now, mm-hmm. and you have no idea. Right. It, yeah, and that was, I'm sorry. I'd gotten off track. It, it, you're, so the arguments, yeah, it was primarily public safety. Yeah, and so they're, they're saying that, and then they're saying also that they can't differentiate between CBD and cannabis fire, and they are also arguing the, the safety of the drivers. There's been some studies that I'd like to see more that say – it doesn't make you a better driver, but it doesn't make you a worse driver for non for for seasoned users. Now you have your issue where, like, maybe you go to a state that's legal, you've never used it before. Obviously, don't do anything stupid. You know, I'd say the same thing with too much caffeine or obviously booze or things like that. 
But I also think it's not these groups' jobs to set policy. It's their, you know, it's the legislature or the executive. So I always have an issue where sometimes legislators let non-elected officials set policy. Um, so I'd like to see some more leadership on that, which we're starting to see. So I don't want to just say daggers. But then it's a public safety issue, and they're saying right now there's not as really accurate roadside test, um, which is fair. And then we could get into an argument whether or not THC should be the determinant because it's not really what – I mean, it helps get you there, but it's really the transporter for the effects, which would be the terpenes and cannabinoids. But I don't think they're ready for that combo yet. Yeah, and it's funny you bring that up because I want to say there was a story in the Annapolis Star once just this past week about uh, marijuana prosecutions, and now the basically the court of either the court of appeals, the Supreme Court said, "Hey, just because you you may you may think you know what it is, you, you don't." And the 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 three percent, the point three percent THC content, and folks couldn't tell whether it was CBD or, or THC, and so you end, you end up with this sort of hodgepodge of of stuff. Mm-hmm. And to your point, that that was another argument. Uh, for Marion County is that their crime lab is so far behind that and that not only is it so far behind I believe it's a year plus but then also they supposedly don't have the technology to actually even differentiate it if it's an oil they can only do it if it's flour and I I have to dig more into that because I was pretty surprised when I heard that but that is one of the things as well but in my mind that's not when did Hoosiers see an obstacle and go okay I'm I'm just not going to do it you know, oh, I'm just going to go home and give up. Never. You know? So it's 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 always kind of humorous to me as well. But I'm also, like, the most stubborn person. That that people see a challenge, it's, it's not to say no. It's like, all right, let's do this. Let's figure out the ways around it. And I think you will see better testing. I think you'll see um, – but if I – sorry, I'm getting off, lost in the weeds again. But, like – no, I, I get in the weeds. Uh. But the states – in most of these states, too, you see where you have to have a sealed container, right? You have – so there's – Look, I think people are always going to pay the idiot tax if they're good, if they're impatient, they're going to do something dumb. But I also don't think we should let a couple bad apples or people that uh, maybe need better education to ruin it for people that have legitimate uses, even if it's adult use and they're self-medicating. Uh, here in Marion County, and Andy Baum with us for a few more minutes on the program today, uh, Marion County Prosecutor Ryan Mears at a public safety forum uh, this past week, basically sort of explaining... Hey, we're not going to prosecute. We're not going to prosecute simple marijuana possession because we can use our money for a lot of other things. Actually, catch you know rapists and murderers and mm-hmm. and that sort of thing. Uh, as that sort of expanded to any other counties in Indiana, do you know yet, or are people still if it's if it's simple possession, you're you're going to jail? Anecdotally, I've talked to a lot of prosecutors that are supportive of this, but maybe their constituents haven't come around yet. What's been fascinating, and I can't say names unfortunately, but what's been fascinating is. Uh, that they've come up to me or messaged me about it, and they're from very conservative districts. Their group is still opposed to it, of course, but you're starting to see more and more, especially the conservative, like the liberal ones you kind of assume will probably be with it or easier to sell the dream to on this topic. Um, But what's been really cool to me as someone who's been doing this for a few years and probably to folks that have been doing this for a lot longer is that you're starting to see these conservatives really come around. Like I had a committee chair... Uh, I'll tell you once we're offline to come up and start asking questions about it and it'll blow your mind because these are people not traditionally supportive. So I say the tide's turning, whether it's the prosecutors. I've had anecdotally, as you remember when I was at the Senate, I used to sit by the state troopers. I've had a lot of troopers anecdotally say they're supportive, but they still have to, you know. Yeah, do yeah, do do their, do their day job. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what do you see? We've got a couple minutes left here. Where do you see this issue going, say, uh, they still have a couple more summer study committees to, to do this year. Uh, but where do you see this happening in the 2023-2024 session? You know the state house, it's all rumors and innuendos. 
And I was trying to use your quote from the <laughs> Gossip rumor and blatant political innuendo. <laughs> yeah. But it, and you know better than most, right? Um, I would say realistically, we have a chance to pass a medic, some probably a restricted medical bill in this upcoming session. It's going to be a fight. I don't think it's a slam dunk, but I think it is possible. And then um, ideally, we'd also pass a cannabis commission that would cover Delta 8, the various cannabinoids and terpenes, CBD and, and cannabis. Because even I think that's a easy win for both parties where they can say, hey, we're making a move towards it. It gets us prepared for it because by all accounts, it looks like the feds are probably going to pass safe banking finally with the Senate uh, in November. I've heard from a couple of sources now. So I think it's going to happen. And, and just, just let people know, when we talk about safe banking right now, because marijuana is illegal, you can't any proceeds from the mar- illegal sales like a, like a drug dealer. So the money can be confiscated by the federal government. The safe banking basically says that if you if you follow all the rules, you're fine. Mm-hmm. Just want to let's make people let people know what that. Oh yeah, sorry. Of it, course, of course. What's funny is though, there's a place out in Las Vegas, one take Planet Thirteen, I think it is, where you couldn't you you can buy your product with a, with a credit card or debit card, but you don't buy the product, you get a gift card, mm-hmm. and then you use the gift card to buy the product was like no that's like that's going to put america back in the forefront yeah it's it's and it's and that's what i love is the american ingenuity because i also heard stories of people that um like square started doing a debit beta i heard a story years ago i'm sure she didn't do it It was in the new york times so i'm not diamond anybody out where she actually set up a storefront in london even though the business was in the u.s which surely is illegal i don't know and would charge the London business so she could use credit card payments for these medical cannabis things in like New York or wherever she was from. But uh, I thought that it's interesting to see people look at these challenges going back and then finding ways around it instead of giving up. Um, I think, yeah, I think we'll probably see medical within a year or two, adult year, so you'll be a year after that. Um, and, and I think the only outlier would be if the feds do something, if the D's pick it up as a campaign issue to pick up some seats. That could change the game, too. It's definitely going to be a campaign topic for the next governor here. All right. Well, our guest has been our good friend, Andy Bowman. Uh, Andy is a cannabis lobbyist over in the State House. They had a uh, summer set committee recently on marijuana legalization, deregulation, all the other fun stuff. So, Andy, my friend, always good to talk to you, sir. Thank you very much for stopping by today. Thank you, Abdul, for having me. This podcast was produced and edited by Chris Spangle and Leaders and Legends, LLC. If you're interested in starting a podcast or taking yours to the next level, please contact us at leadersandlegends.net.